Today on Game and Read, I want to hug the limbless baby. I'm Aaron. My name is Peter. And we are here with another episode of Friday Reads. This is our weekly series where we tell you what we've been reading and playing, uh, what we're taking into this next weekend, and we recommend some things, usually books and games. Sometimes we tell you what games to avoid. (laughs) It depends on the week. (laughs) If you enjoy this episode, you can find all of our episodes at gameandread.wordpress.com as well as anywhere you find your podcasts we are on pretty much every podcatching app you can find especially all the popular ones spotify stitcher soundcloud apple Podcasts, google podcasts you name it we want to be on there we're also on social media on twitter and instagram at game and read Last week, my Friday reads was What You Wish For by Catherine Center, and this book was exactly what I needed. It was light. It was funny. It was emotional. It was what you wished for. It was what I wished for. It wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end. Uh, It was just like a delightfully simple read (laughs) in a lot of ways, Um, but I really enjoyed it. The general premise is that we're following Sam. She's a librarian at this independent school in Galveston, Texas. And the beloved headmaster or head of school, I guess he's not really a headmaster, (laughs) head of school um, dies of a heart attack unexpectedly over the summer. And the new head of school turns out to be someone she knows from her past school life. And at first, it is, like, maybe a good thing because he was this wonderful, like, funny, charming, kid, play-centered guy. But he shows up at uh, the the private school in Galveston and is, like, suits and all about safety and basically wants to suck the joy out of everything. And I won't spoil why he has made this change or this transformation, but... Um, the story was, was not overly complex, but I did think that it was well done and the characters weren't like totally lovable or totally hateable. They had a good mix of like, sometimes I would be irritated with Sam, the main character. And sometimes I would really empathize with her and really like feel connected to her. And, and the same with Duncan, who is the new head of school. There were times that I found Duncan incredibly annoying and stupid and times that the charm came out. And so I think the character wise, it was, it was lovely. And the ending is, you know, it ties up in a bow 
This is kind of feel good, feel good fiction a <laughs> little bit. Ultimately, it's about choosing joy and positivity, even if it's in little, little bit of ways when life just sucks, finding one small thing to bring you joy that day. And it was a lot cheesy sometimes. Like, very cheesy. A nice, uplifting tale. Yes, but it was totally a nice, uplifting tale. And I didn't get emotionally weighed down while I was reading. <laughs> Which, I, the I will say that there is some, like, the school safety aspect, especially in our current cultural context of, like, school shootings and, and the discussion of safety of children and things like that um it could have very easily become a very depressing book or at least a a book with a very depressing section and it doesn't do that it doesn't take the subject lightly but it also doesn't like hammer you down emotionally (laughs) So I thought it was a super fun read. I would I would read other books by Catherine Center. Um, she's written a lot. Uh, Things You Save in a Fire is the one that got a whole lot of press a couple of years ago. I haven't read that, but I've heard good things about it. And after reading What You Wish For, I will probably keep my eye out for other books by her at the library. So... That is my update on my Friday reads. I would recommend, especially if you're looking for something a little bit lighter, uh, What You Wish For by Catherine Center. Now, I know you mentioned that yours wasn't a bit of a downer. However, my book this week actually kind of was in some way. Uh, So I read the first volume of Dororo by Osamu Tezuka, which is a manga. It's only three volumes long. It was kind of a short-running manga, and it's about this ronin sword fighter in you know kind of medieval japan times a very fictionalized version because there's a lot of um magic and monsters going on as well and it is a fairly dark comic for a guy whose uh cartooning style is a bit cart you know very kind of cartoony and light and interesting and i guess to to set this up it it follows primarily uh, Hyakamaru, who is a ma- young man, he's like a teenager, uh, who was born without limbs, eyes, ears, or skin, I believe. Wait. He's missing so, 48 body parts. So what? Ha- this is why it happened. Because, <laughs> and this is all in the very beginning of the book, so it's not like a twist or anything. His his father is kind of a um, kind of a mid-level, like, regional leader kind of guy and he's got he's got big ambitions he wants to rule japan does he make a deal with the devil he makes a deal with 48 devils <gasps> oh no that's why he's missed oh no so while while his wife is pregnant he he goes to this like temple called the hall of hell or that's what it's translated to and he basically makes a deal with these 48 demons that are all like personified via statue in this room and He's like, I want to become super powerful and take over Japan. And you can have whatever you want. And what they end up taking is uh, they leave a giant scar on his face. uh, And then they take all of his son's body parts, his unborn son's body parts. I hope you have not made any deals with any devil. No, no. No (laughs) deals with devils will be made. Um, (laughs) Certainly not at the expense of any child limbs. And... 
So when Hyakumaru is born, he doesn't have any of these things. And he's kind of sent down the river like Baby Moses style. Um, he's also cursed. And so monsters and like ghosts and ghouls are always out to get him. Um, and he's taken in by this, you know, sweet old man who's a uh, a doctor who develops prosthetics, and he makes him, you know, arms and legs and stuff. And eventually, you know, he kind of goes out on his own journey, um, and he's got swords for arms. <laughs> it's great. It's very fun. And he he can't talk or anything, but he he mimics sounds with his stomach, and he can like mentally communicate with people. It's very it's. It's very kind of daredevil where it's like a disabled hero who basically has the power to not be disabled, but he, but he is. And as he goes around fighting certain like high level demons, he'll get a body part back. So in the first volume, um, he fights two or three demons and he gets a couple of body parts back that like, you know, I'm not going to say which ones or what happens with it, but he gets some back and he kind of goes through that transition of like, oh, I've gotten, you know, this back and I can do this. I have this natural sense now rather than just kind of the spirit sense so he has. he's on his like body scavenger hunt. A little bit. Yeah. He's just kind of on a, you know, a journey. He knows he's always being hunted down. So he's just kind of like traveling the countryside until he achieves his goal of fighting off demons and getting his body back to normal. Um, and he's only like, I think 14 or 15 in the book. Um, naturally. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's, you know, he's, he's a superhero basically. <laughs> um, and Dororo is the other main character who is a, um, a young orphaned thief boy who befriends Hyakumaru, uh, and they start traveling together and man, this is just like everything sad happens in this book. So it's like that whole premise of like our hero, really, really a terrible, you know, beginning to his life. And then we also get like Dororo's story where he was like the son of these bandits and they had a big tragedy and that's why he became an orphan. And there's a lot of just like every town they go to is like plagued by a demon or plagued by this ongoing civil war. Everyone's just miserable in this book. So but my... it's really good. It's a really like good dark shonen. So my book was uplifting and it was about finding joy and your book was about about how fucked up life is. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, but it, it's really enjoyable and it's interesting. It doesn't feel that dark because, like I said, Tezuka's style is very cartoony. So, like, Dororo looks like this cute little, like, precocious child character, which he is, but he also di almost dies, like, several times. Um, you know, like, when we first meet him, he's being drowned by some thugs he ripped off. <laughs> Jesus. I know, but he's really like cute and spunky. So it's a good time. Um, and then there's all these little like corny cartoonist jokes just because like Tezuka really likes to throw in like little references to then modern Japan or like they uh, they stop by a at one point you see like this fancy carriage from like a uh, samurai class family and it's got like a nice license plate on it, which obviously didn't exist then. And it's just like pointed out like, haha, that's a joke. Look at this. <laughs> Um, so it's really interesting. And illustration wise, I, I enjoy Tezuka's art style. And in this book in particular, what I'm noticing is he, he keeps it very kind of abstracted and light in a lot of the panels where when it's just kind of a, a hint of action or they're just kind of focusing on a character for some dialogue, but then he'll really incorporate a lot of these really detailed splash pages where it's like a very detailed line work tree when you see like 
Dororo kind of having a emotional moment or something, or they fight this one particular demon. There's this really awesome uh, detailed drawing of this one demon that they fight that just takes up the whole, you know, one panel page. And so it's interesting because I feel like Tezuka is kind of known for his simplified character style, things like Astro Boy, where it's kind of like, okay, they're just kind of a, a fun circle. That's this cute, you know, very well-known character. Uh, but then he really can add a lot more detail when he wants to into landscaping and building design. But he keeps those characters fairly, like, cartoony and fluid. Now, a couple other things while I was just looking into this book, because I had and actually not heard of this until I just saw it in the library, is this did have a, a TV series back in the, you know, the late 60s when it first came out, or wait, late 70s? I forget, I'm mixing it up. But it actually did get a 2019 um, anime and manga remake that has a bit more of a kind of a dark contemporary anime style, uh, which is arguably a little bit more fitting for the, you know, the source material. Um, and I watched the first episode of the, the 2019 Dora anime, and it was pretty good. I'm not going to like poo-poo it or anything. I just feel like I would have liked to really see the Tezuka style in modern animation. I think that'd be really neat. And so I would count it as maybe a missed opportunity that they didn't do that to be really true to the source work that I'm sure they care about to make this adaptation. But it's not bad. It's not like, you know, it just isn't Tezuka style artistically. Um, and one thing I did notice in just the first episode, they are definitely kind of streamlining and simplifying some things because they know their source material Whereas when Tezuka was writing this, it was a weekly, you know, manga series that got cut probably a little bit short. It only ran for like two and a half, three years. Um, and he kind of set it up with a very long running premise of 48 demons. And I don't think he got to all 48. I don't know. I'm going to read the other two volumes at some point. Um, but I really enjoyed Dororo by Osamu Tezuka. This week, I am picking up Girl Unknown by Karen Perry. Uh, Karen Perry is actually the pen name of an Irish husband-wife writing team. So it is a... Are they Karen and Perry? No. <laughs> I don't... I should have looked up their real names. I just know that Karen Perry is their pen name when they write together, which I guess they've done a couple times. This is the first time I've I've heard of them. I was at the library and it just looked interesting. Uh, so Girl Unknown is about the Connolly family. Uh, David and Caroline have two wonderful children. They are happily married. They've had some bumps, but now David is up for a promotion at his university job and Caroline is back at work at an ad agency and everything seems to be going well. But then one day a young woman walks into David's office at the university and says that uh, she's pretty sure he's her father. And then the story goes from there. Who is this person? Who, uh, you know, is she really David's daughter? If she is, how does the family bring her in? And do they bring her in? What is kind of the the fallout and the the impact on the Connollys in light of this revelation? So 
I know nothing else about it other than what I read on the desk jacket when I was in the library. Um, uh, my mom gave it three stars. She told me she's read it. She can't remember a lot about it, but she did rate it three stars. So that's pretty good. I'll, I'll take a three stars from Kirsten. So I, th- I think the premise looks interesting. I am definitely in the mood for like beachy slash thrillery mystery reads these days. So this seems to check some boxes for me. So that's what I'll be reading this weekend. Girl Unknown by Karen Perry. All right, for this week, I'm getting back to games. I was just having a, a brief respite to play some, uh, some I guess, read some comics, not play some <laughs> comics. You played with your mind. <laughs> played with my eyes. But I will be playing uh, Mr. Driller Drill Land on the Nintendo Switch this week. And really, the reason I'm playing this is just I saw it on sale, and it's a game I've been wanting to play. Uh, the Mr. Driller series is a pretty fun kind of arcadey uh game series that ran from like 1999 to technically present ish uh it's a namco bandai game it's kind of the spiritual successor to dig dug if you've ever played that uh particular arcade game and in it it's all about you know drilling down as far as you can go not running out of air and trying to not crush yourself in the process I love, we had, what is, what is, it was on the the PlayStation one classic, the the PlayStation one classic. I went through a, a couple weeks where I played like hours. I can set it back up for you anytime. Hours (laughs) of Mr. Driller. It's so fun. Yes. If you've never tried a Mr. Driller game, they're definitely worth a go. Uh, and this is on the switch or PC and it's actually a, a remaster re-release of a 2002 game that never made it out of Japan. So this game was originally on the GameCube, uh, but it never got localized in uh, Western audiences. And so this was the kind of re-release opportunity. So I thought it was a brand new game. And then when I was Googling about it, it's like, oh no, it's it's a 19 year old game that they refreshed, but I'll take it because it's new to me. Not a whole lot to say about it. You're attending like the opening of a driller themed amusement park i would go (laughs) yeah so it's the first underground amusement park 500 meters below the (laughs) earth's surface and you're going through these kind of fun themed stages so i played through one so far that was based around uh druaga a namco bandai arcade game um and then there's several others that i'm gonna make my way through Now, one reason I am playing this particular game, because it's very simple and not story heavy at all, uh, and you can easily play without the volume if you don't want that, Uh, and that's because I'm trying to finish an audiobook right now, and I thought this would be a nice uh, companion piece of something kind of low brain power. Like, obviously, I got to be watching out for things, but it's mostly kind of just going down and being a little strategic. Uh, And that's because I'm listening to The Master and Margarita by Mikhail Bulgakov on audiobook right now. And I'm getting pretty close. I got like four hours left. So I think this will be a good opportunity for me to get that done. So you may hear me talking about that book next week as well, because I'm almost done with it. So that's what I am playing this week. Mr. Driller Drill Land on the Nintendo Switch.
my recommendation this week is from an author we have talked about on this podcast before. Um, my recommendation is Middle Game by Seanan McGuire. If you have listened to this podcast from the early days. Well, yeah, she was our first pairing of this she, run. She was our first pairing of this run. She is also written under the pen name Mira Grant. And I love those books, too. We um, have talked about those in the earlier iteration of Game and Read. And they're fantastic. But I am recommending Middle Game today. It came out in 2019. And it is about Roger and Dodger. They're twins. Roger is all about um, words and literature and language. And Dodger is all about numbers and math. Um, And they're not quite human. Though they don't... (laughs) Twins are never true. They don't totally understand that at the beginning of the book. Uh, And so we've got Roger and Dodger... And then we have Reed, who is the alchemist who created Roger and Dodger. And Reed wants to figure out how to elevate, basically elevate them to godlike beings to help him rule the world. Uh, He's not a great guy. (laughs) I'll tell you that. This is an excellent kind of dark fantasy book. There's a ton of alchemy, like that's kind of the thread that runs through it is this alchemy. Um, There's super villainous plots. There are weird, like multiple sets of twin experiments. It's a long book. I think it's it's over 400 pages. So it's, you know, it's a big book. A chonker. But it is, to me, it was super fast paced. I got totally sucked in. I love Shannon McGuire's writing. I think she has such creative characters and she walks the line of dark without getting too disturbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think she does a really good job of of balancing the humor with the um terrifying prospect of dark horrible things. Yeah, I will say of the two books of hers I've read, I think she does a really excellent job exploring uh literature genres especially kind of like pop literature genres and so this one not having necessarily a super clear like analog as to what it can be kind of classified as is i'd I'd be interesting to maybe uh read or listen to this sometime just because the other two of hers i've read one was you know a zombie novel and i think it was an interesting zombie novel and then the other one was kind of a slightly like narnia otherworldly inspired book but it was a very kind of meta take on it and i thought it was really interesting uh so i'd be curious to read a not as clear meta textual book yeah it's definitely its own its own thing um and i i know that shada mcguire has also written an urban fantasy series the october day series which people love i have not yet read anything any of those any of those books um but middle game is just like it is its own story it is super enthralling i love the alchemy focus i think that's just alchemy is one of those things that i think works so well in fantasy but is so rarely centered in fantasy like you don't usually get a lot of books where alchemy is a big driving force 
I mean, I can't think of any. The only, <laughs> the only big one is like my chem, uh, my chemical romance, <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist. Wow, I don't know <laughs> my chemical alchemist. <laughs> uh, yeah, Full Metal Alchemist is probably the closest thing to. <laughs> just, and even that has its own very distinct take on mm-hmm. alchemy beyond just you know the the quote like the historic elements of it. Yeah. So I think that everyone should read Middle Game. I loved it. I love Sean and McGuire. Uh, so that's my recommendation this week is Middle Game by Sean and McGuire. All right. Rounding out my month of Nintendo 3DS recommendations in honor of its 10 year anniversary, I've got kind of a, a dual uh, recommend here. And the good news is you can play these games on pretty much anything. Uh, this w- these were not exclusive to the 3DS, but they were, I think, heavily tied with some Nintendo consoles at the time. And that is uh, Shovel Knight from Yacht Club Games, and then Steam World Dig and Steam World Dig Two. I'm totally blanking on who the developer for that is, but I do love them. Uh, both of these games are fun, kind of new takes on kind of retro platformers. And I, I'm bringing that up mostly just because really the past decade has seen a huge increase in the amount of um, independent, interesting 2D platformers. Uh, a lot of them ha- are retro inspired. And I was trying to think back and I think a lot of the trend really started with like Super Meat Boy that came out in uh, 2010. And since then, it's like there's been dozens of really good uh independent platformer games and these are two that i just really love and i played them both on the 3ds back in the day uh shovel knight you are a a knight who wields a shovel uh it's very heavily inspired by nes and ducktales uh the ducktales video game i love the aesthetics of shovel knight so much i hate the game (laughs) well (laughs) I don't hate. You don't the game. hate it because it's bad. No, you are oh, bad no. at the game. I, <laughs> let me rephrase. There's a, there's a difference. Let me rephrase. I love the aesthetic of Shovel Knight. <laughs> I sucked. I don't think I've been worse at a game than I was when I, we played Shovel Knight. Metroid Fusion. You were really bad at Metroid. Hey, Fusion. no, I was better at Metroid Fusion than I was at Shovel Knight. Were you? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Resident Evil. That was a game okay, we played fair. that we but both no, were bad at. I say that Shovel Knight is one of those games that like I wanted to be good at it and it was hard and I was never I never figured it out, but I love the like the art and the the style of it was so cool, which made it worse that I couldn't figure it out. Yes, it was originally the product of a very successful Kickstarter um that spawned shovel knight as well as its four uh kind of dlc sequels that all take place around these uh other knights who start out as the enemies in the original shovel knight game i've played a couple of them what is it three or four i I think it might only be three additional ones but um you know i've played the plague knight one as well as the the reaper knight one uh, and both of those were were really great. And they're just really, it's really solid platforming. And it is tricky. It is definitely a tough game. I'd say it's very fair. Um, but if you don't enjoy 2D platformers at all, you're, you're not going to have a great time. But eh, maybe try it. I don't know. Try whatever you want. Uh, SteamWorld Dig, um, probably a little less well-known than Shovel Knight. 
just because it's not a costume in every other independent video game like Shovel Knight is. Uh, SteamWorld Dig, you are a robot in a robot world, and you inherit this mine from, you know, your old uncle, uh, and you start exploring it, and it's procedurally generated, and you're kind of continuously going down and down. It's got a little bit of a Dig Dug vibe. It's got a little bit of a uh, Metroidvania vibe, and it's just a really enjoyable time in steamworld dig 2 they just found all the things to improve on and improved on them and added a a good sequel story in the in the mix um and all these games are totally playable on pc ps4 xbox they're all on everything i think they're all on switch too so you can easily pick them up just about anywhere but they're they're so great and you know really any independent platformer that's gotten some buzz over the past 10 years I, I just I just love that this is like a, a common genre nowadays because there's just a lot of good stuff out there. But that, that'll wrap it up for me on uh, 3DS Memories for this month with uh, Shovel Knight and SteamWorld Dig. That's all we have this week for Friday Reads. You can find all of our past Friday reads and all of our pairing episodes wherever you get your podcasts. We are our are everywhere apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud etc go hit subscribe so you never miss an episode you can find us on social media i'm on twitter at game and read and we have an instagram with that same handle i am on twitter at bookish text and on instagram at a tale of two shelves our intro music was written and performed by avery murchison and there's a link to his band camp in the episode description thanks for listening we'll see you next time Dead and green.